Occasional Radio Episode 6. Listening to Tony Conrad's Audio Archive.
super overstimulate at night on the eve of the world's destruction. And at 56 Low Street, I, Jack Smith, Mad Angus, and Tony sit about in a casual evening, Angus, bowing on a mandolin, Tony uh, tweaking another mandolin uh, in the normal way, and I wearing all my jewels. I have three pairs of earrings on and uh, five diamond bracelets and two necklaces and one, two, and five brooches. And I'm about to read my my story, my short story, Lace Evening Gowns Damnay, which I will commence. And Francine fixed up this millionaire on some street corner on Halloween, and she was in drag. Halloween is the only night that Francine gets into drag. And once I met her on 8th Street, and she looked like a scrub woman. She was wearing a babushka, a house dress, sneakers, and so forth. So she must have gotten into a ludicrous conversation with this millionaire about her longings for costume jewelry and doilies in her home, her happy home. And he probably saw how ludicrous it would be if she were covered with jewelry. And he offered to pay her expenses for two weeks of being a cunt at an expensive hotel in Miami Beach in Francis Francine, my best friend, ex-hermaphrodite star of carnivals and sideshows in the Atlantis Hotel in Miami Beach with its giant conch-shaped lobby and in its steaming lagoon pool. Oh, Francine, I said, it's pure stunning. The millionaire let her take me along. Oh, when can we go out shopping for our evening gowns, I cried. I want to wear nothing but evening gowns and just come out at night. Maybe I'll be a man in the day and a cunt at night. We could take turns being each other's escorts. I wanted us to have some homos brought up to our apartment and be fitted, but Francine didn't want to wait. She wanted to start that same night. So we went to a department store. Francine was wearing her double-breasted powder blue Bermuda shorts suit, powder blue long stockings, and white sandals. I was dressed as inconspicuously as possible. Frankie looked uh, lowbrow, but she had a mad pseudo hauteur that was her idea of how rich people act, and it stunned salespeople or sort of paralyzed them temporarily, and they seemed to treat her with respect. You do the talking, I said. And very well, she said. A white-haired, elegant sales lady approached us as we had been hanging around for a few minutes. Horror and distaste dripped from her. Is there, is there anything you wanted? She said. Yes. Frankie said in her rich woman's voice, Where are the evening gowns? What size? The woman said with disgust. Oh, Frankie said, and put her hands daintily on her waist. And there was a flaming silence. The saleswoman held her breath and powdered her lips and looked shrewdly at the saleswoman. My size! The saleswoman let off her breath, but didn't say anything. Her eyes were wide and fixed on Frankie. You see, said Frankie, I'm in theatricals. And indeed, she used to be in theatricals. I mean, in her carnival days, she was Francis Francine, hermaphrodite star of sideshows. She went on 
to make it seem as if she didn't want to buy an evening gown, but she was thrown by circumstances into the position of having to. She, in fact, wasn't the least interested in evening gowns as her casual and funny little cracks showed as we browsed among the EGs. We our fate there amongst the EGs and grudgingly admired some of them, the lovely darlings. I was stunned by one very drapey gold lame job that exposed my back and had a slit skirt and slashed long sleeves. I always have to have high necklines to cover the hair on my chest, but Frankie's chest is perfectly hairless, so she always wears low necklines and stuffs her bras big as she can, almost pigeon-breasted. When the sales lady wasn't listening, we creamed about the EGs and whispers. Uh, but when she could hear what we were saying, we said sarcastic things about them, such as Arlene Dahl born in this one, uh, Jean Harlow died in this one, and Gloria Jean was raped in this one, etc., etc. We pathetically tried to suck up as much impressions as we could because we were hyper-aware that we couldn't stay there forever and we didn't want to become conspicuous by staying there too long because we were secretly afraid that the whole store would find out. It was a struggle to remain calm. I heard a muffled scream from Frankie. Oh, Jack, isn't this startling, she said in a desperate whisper. I looked at the thing that she was holding and my heart sank. It was a bouffant powder blue job all covered with ruffles and net and cabbage roses and ribbons and everything. It looks like a Puerto Rican graduation dress, I said. If she were to wear that thing, the game would be up because no normal woman of her age would wear a thing like that. After all, you have to consider that Francine is pushing 40, and some of her front teeth are missing. Her figure has become somewhat square and muscular, and she has a pronounced hard feature. I mean, pronounced hard features, and she would be surrealistic in that getup, and attract as much attention, even if she were a woman, that we would, of course, be seen through not being cunts with all that amount of attention like uh, who would throw a glaring spotlight on something you wanted to cover up no use to talk to her it was her dream come true the goosey that she never had as a girl better to get it over with i also found myself a slinky black jet beater job with long sleeves and a chiffon cascade down the back it had a drapey uh, boat neckline then I talked Frankie into getting a divine tropical printed job that was uh, all drapey and side swift. And we got quite a few more. In fact, we had bought 38 evening gowns from the left. They were all expensive and
important. But it, it's it's to say very easily. The question is what has to been what has really occurred. We are being defeated, in essence, in a war we cannot win without annihilating totally the quote enemy. That's one question. The other question is a moral question as to whether we should be there or not. I think even the people who the doves refer to as the hawks have a great many of them said, hey, if we can't win it, let's get out of it. Why lose more men for something that is never going to finish? Well, thank you very much. We've been talking to Mary Travers of Peter, Paul, and Mary. And now back to the podium. The first union in America to oppose the moral war today held memorial services and meetings
producer, Don Porter. Kier Galea. A ringer, Jack Gilbert. Bert Conby. Pat O'Neill. Eli Wallach. Ben Gazzara.